Hello and welcome to St Tom's Online. Please find this week's sermon. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 21. The coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly there was a noise from the sky which sounded like a strong wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire, which spread out and touched each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to talk in other languages, as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, religious people who had come from every country in the world. When they heard this noise, a large crowd gathered. They were all excited, because each of them heard the believers speaking in his or her own language. In amazement and wonder, they exclaimed, These people who are talking like this are Galileans. How is it then that each of us hear them speaking in our own native languages? We are from Parthia, Media and Elam, from Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, from Pontus and Asia, from Phrygia and Pamphylia, from Egypt and the regions of Libya near Cyrene. Some of us are from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles converted to Judaism, and some of us are from Crete and Arabia. Yet all of us hear them speaking in our own languages about the great things that God has done. Amazed and confused, they kept asking each other, What does this mean? But others made fun of the believers, saying, These people are drunk. Peter's message. Then Peter stood up with the other eleven apostles, and in a loud voice began to speak to the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, listen to me and let me tell you what this means. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. Instead, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. This is what I will do in the last days, God says. I will pour out my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will proclaim my message. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will have dreams. Yes, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will proclaim my message. I will perform miracles in the sky above, and wonders on the earth below. There will be blood, fire, and thick smoke. The sun will be darkened, and the moon will turn red as blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And then, whoever calls out to the Lord for help will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, really lovely to be in church with you all this morning. And uh, thank you there to Danny for um, reading that scripture for us. I think she read it from the Good News version, wasn't it? It was... uh, slightly different from the NIV and that's really makes it all more interesting. Anyway, shall we just still our hearts and begin with a prayer? Father, as we remember and celebrate the amazing events that happened on the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago, I pray that you will speak to each one of us afresh by your Spirit and help us to reach out and take all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Pentecost. Huge event, isn't it, in our church calendar, often referred to as the day that the church was birthed. We're focusing on this passage in Acts 2, and... um, Who do you think the Holy Spirit is and why was this event so momentous? Well, the Holy Spirit is first and foremost a person, part of the Trinity, the Godhead. And, you know, he was there right from the very beginning with Father God. 
we read in the creation story in Genesis 1 verse 2, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the Holy Spirit will be there at the end of time too. We read in Revelations 22 verse 17 that the Spirit and the Bride, which is the church, say come and let him who hears say come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So what does the Bible tell us about the Holy Spirit before this event? Well, we first hear about the Spirit of God coming upon people in the Old Testament, but it tended to be at particular times for particular occasions. For instance, we read that Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God to craft beautiful things in the tabernacle and the tent of meeting in the wilderness. The Spirit of God fell on Saul just before he became king in 1 Samuel 10 verse 10 fell on Samson to bring about the defeat of the Philistines in Judges 15, and Elijah when he outrun Ahab's chariot in 1 Kings 18, verse 46. I think I have to have this bit closer. Scary. Yes. (laughs) Then as we come into the New Testament, around the time that Jesus was born, we see a flurry of activity from the Holy Spirit. So following the two angelic visitations to Zachariah and Mary, pregnant Mary visits her cousin, Elizabeth, who's filled with the Holy Spirit on seeing Mary and prophesies. And then the Spirit of God comes upon Mary, who also prophesies. John the Baptist is born, and when his, bro- his father names him Zachariah, he receives his speech back and he prophesies. And then when Jesus is taken to the temple at eight days old, Simeon is described as having the Spirit upon him and being moved by the Spirit of God when he met baby Jesus. And here, getting back to our passage in Acts 2, days after the disciples had watched Jesus being taken up into heaven, they gathered in Jerusalem, waiting as Jesus had instructed them. Acts 1 verse 4, he said, Do not leave Jerusalem, But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, baptized with the Spirit, what does that mean? When we think about the word baptism, it's not so much like infant baptism in this context. It's more like baptism by immersion, like Jesus was in the River Jordan. And we might say overwhelmed, immersed, drenched in the Spirit of God. And here in our reading, suddenly the Spirit came, described as a violent wind, which filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they began to speak in other languages. And these tongues of fire rested on each of them. Verse 5 tells us that there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And it's thought that they were in Jerusalem celebrating the Sabbath, the Feast of Weeks. And we read that the crowd hearing the commotion gathered in 
bewilderment because they heard people speaking in their own languages, even though they were from lots of other countries. And it's unclear whether the crowd came into the house where the disciples were. The New Living Translation, verse 6, says that everyone came running. Or if the Spirit of God propelled them outside, but things were a bit chaotic. And then Peter stands up and addresses the crowd. The Spirit of God was on Peter, enabling him to be bold and suddenly to be able to explain what was happening here. I'm guessing it was a bit of a surprise to Peter himself. We were at the cathedral yesterday um, for a confirmation service and Bishop Debbie spoke on this passage and she pointed out that the disciples just had to be obedient and wait in Jerusalem and that the people came to them from various nations and I've never really noticed that before. And so that straight away they could begin that mission of making disciples of all nations. So what's different about Pentecost from all the other instances of the Spirit of God falling on people? Well, Peter explains in verse 15 and 16 to the gathered crowd that this was a fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel 2, 28-32 where God talks about pouring out his spirit on all people, young and old, men and women. So for the first time, God's spirit was for absolutely everyone, and that means you and me too. And all through the book of Acts, we see the spirit come on all sorts of people, even those the apostles didn't expect it to, because they were Gentiles, for instance, the uh, Cornelius and his family. When we first encounter the love of God and decide to follow him and we recognize what, what Jesus did on the cross was for us, the Spirit of God, of course, comes into our lives. But sometimes this special dousing in the Holy Spirit that we see here happens more slowly. Sometimes, like the disciples, we have to wait a while. For me, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian home, and I grew up knowing and loving Jesus as my friend, but it was a bit legalistic, and uh, there was always questions like, had I really repented? Had I made Jesus Lord of my life as well as my saviour? Had I been baptised? Was I telling people about him? And then um, at 18, I left home and went to Manchester to train to be a nurse. And not long after that, I went on a weekend away with the Nurses Christian Fellowship. And I can't really remember much about that weekend. But I just know that at some point, the Spirit of God touched me and came upon me in a new way. And I felt his presence in a new way. And I couldn't stop smiling because I had a joy that I hadn't had before. So we've established that the Holy Spirit is first and foremost a person. And there are lots of different names in the Bible for the Holy Spirit. Jesus refers to him in John 14, 16 and 17 as the counsellor. And that's also translated as lots of different 
names as well in other versions. So there's the helper, the advocate, the encourager, the friend. And Jesus also calls him the spirit of truth. There are also several symbols that we've also already talked about for the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Spirit. And um, in that Revelation reading that I read about the Spirit and the Bride, um, we see the Holy Spirit as living water or water of life. In this passage here, it has a violent wind and then tongues of fire. And we see as... um, Sean's already mentioned the Holy Spirit alighted on Jesus when he was baptized in the form of a dove. He's also referred to as the breath of God when Jesus appeared to the disciples after his death in John 20 verse 21. He said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So why do we need the Holy Spirit today? We haven't got the enormous task that the disciples had of birthing a worldwide church. Further on in chapter 2, towards the end of Peter's address, the people listening to him said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter replied, repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So God has called every single one of us to himself, which means he has placed a calling on our lives, something unique that only we can do. And we too, like the disciples, need a drenching of the Holy Spirit to equip us to fulfill the calling that he has given us. So what does the Spirit of God do? I'm going to focus on four things here that I feel God has laid on my heart this morning. There are probably lots more things. For instance, the gifts of the Spirit, which I'm not going to mention. So I'm just going to focus on these four things. The first one is that the Holy Spirit assures me that I am a child of God. Romans 8 verse 15 and 16 says, You receive the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16 goes on, The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Amazing. And you know, I think that's what happened to me as a young nurse. The Spirit of God touched me, and for the first time, even though I'd known Jesus since being a little girl, my head knowledge dropped into my heart, and I knew that I belonged to God. And maybe you need that from the Holy Spirit today, to let you know for sure that you belong to God. And secondly, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit teaches us, leads us into truth, makes us more like Jesus and is with us forever. In John 14, verse 16, Jesus is telling the disciples about the promised Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, he, the Father, will give you another counselor to be with you forever. 
And later on in that chapter, verse 26, but the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Lord will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So the Holy Spirit teaches us, leads us into truth and makes us more like Jesus, which of course is where the fruit of the Spirit come in as we become more like him. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So what's that about? Well, that ties up with another lectionary reading for today, which was Romans 8, 26 and 27. It says, We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. God searches our hearts. I love that God knows us so well, and he loves us anyway. He sees everything, and together with the Spirit, he makes sense of what we're trying to express. Frank Skinner, the comedian, I don't know if you know, he's a Catholic Christian. He's recently written a book called The Comedian's Prayer Book. And he was being interviewed on TV recently and he was saying that people worry about CCTV everywhere, recording everything we do, an invasion of privacy. But he said, for him, it's no big deal. God sees everything he does and thinks, and he can't hide anything from him. Permanent CCTV. I thought that was rather good. <laughs> and lastly, I'm coming into land with this. I believe God wants to remind us this morning of something really rather wonderful, and that is that the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a deposit, a promise, a seal of things to come. So what do I mean by that? Well, it seems quite a good while now. Back in 2019, I think it must have been, in the morning service at Wyvern, when Luke Martin stood up and told us that he'd asked Megan to marry him, and she had said yes. And we all stamped and cheered, much to their embarrassment. And now they're coming up to their wedding day, just less than three weeks away. Now at that time, Luke put an engagement ring on Megan's finger, representing the promise he had made to her to marry her. And Megan wore that ring, showing that she was promised to Luke. They've had to wait a while, haven't they, bless them? but with all that's gone on, but at last, that promise is coming to fruition. And you know, we are the bride of Christ, as we read in that verse in Revelations 22, verse 17. And God has given us an engagement ring in the form of his spirit. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22 says, He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So it's a deposit, a kind of pledge, a guarantee of full payment. And again, similar verse which says 
in Ephesians 1 verse 13, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So having the Holy Spirit reminds us on a daily basis that this world is transient and that we have the promise of heaven when the Lord will take us as his bride. Just as Megan's ring has reminded her on a daily basis that one day Luke would marry her. So since Pentecost over 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit is for every one of us. And if you never have, you can experience the Holy Spirit in your life today. Or you can experience him afresh this Pentecost Sunday, giving you assurance of faith, helping you to be like Jesus, interceding for you to the Father, and as a, as a promise and guarantee of what is to come. Shall we pray?